On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, I'm joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss where the Thunder are going to go from here. How good are they already? What is the ceiling for this young team? And who should you be keeping tabs on on Feast Week in the NBA Draft? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Today, we're joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder. How good can they be? What's the ceiling for this young team? And... We got to talk draft with at Mavs Draft. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Check them out today because you can make every moment more at FanDuel and get 150 bucks in bonus bets for winning a $5 money line bet by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on. So, Richard, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. It's good to be back. It's great to have you back. It's the MJ flu game. We're ready to go, though, still. Uh, Richard, this is going to be iconic whenever we get together, obviously. I uh, love doing this. You've been doing draft stuff for a long time and doing it very well, very in-depth. So I think that you kind of have the pulse of, you know, from an, from a kind of outside perspective of these guys, of these young Thunder players, where you know what you had them as and like evaluated them as pre-draft, and you know where they stand now in the NBA, and you kind of can distance yourself, of course, from the emotional side of things that it's hard to do in Oklahoma City as you get wrapped up in just how awesome – that this ride has been, but let's start with Chet Holmgren specifically. You, of course, were were high on Chet Holmgren pre-draft. He had that year off last year. What does Chet look like in the NBA to you? Has there been anything that's been unexpected or has it all been expected or kind of what stood out the most about Chet? Yeah, I think it's just really how quickly everything has come along. Like we knew he'd be good. I just don't think we expected him to be this good, this fast. A lot of people, at least, I mean, he's flirting with 50, 40, 90. Um, He's, really controlled the paint defensively like he checks every box of what they wanted year one and and so far this is the freak that we saw when we said you know this is why he's the number one talent when healthy that that we said that pre-draft obviously i think paolo it's 1a 1b is probably the best way to look at it right now but it is something that i think it could be really up for debate pretty strongly for years to come and i mean we're only what 13 14 games into the season for a lot of teams it's only going to get better it's only going to get better from here. And I think that Chet Holmgren has looked so great. And I think that you're seeing each passing game, they're kind of giving more responsibility, giving him more uh, you know, tasks to do offensively and, and exploring his game offensively. But he's maintained that efficiency while picking up um, uh, better and, and, and different looks offensively. So with Chet Holmgren, like, what do you view his ceiling as in the long run? If he stays healthy – and he's developing like with this clip that we've seen through these 13 some odd games, like how good can he be long-term? Yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the guy who I don't say, I think he's like the pillar, but like he's an elite secondary option, right? You need that big that can control the pain. Obviously there's some areas for him that I think having another big will help him with. We'll get to that later, but I think 
right now it's just like two-way star right obviously he's been like one of my favorite things that he did in college was being that transition trailer three and we've seen a good amount of it right the quick offense the pace it's helped him i'm really excited just to see, keep seeing that grow like he's building more chemistry with his guards this is i mean it's still pretty new for that obviously how he gets countered in that way like do teams start pressuring him in transition a little bit more things like that'll change but i think ultimately everything checks out for him to be have all-star upside he has been really good and, and and they've been able to generate some artificial transition trailer threes like off of a off of a made basket getting the ball in so quickly and then having the defense get back and then you're just able to hit him as an inbounder whenever he's trailing down the floor it's been so great to see him kind of fit with this thunder team in each passing game he's gotten better and you saw what he did against golden state on saturday where he hits that turnaround just wild shot to send it into overtime i think that chet holmgren is going to be an all-star level player and he can of course breach higher than that if he's able to uh, develop the way that the way that uh, we think that he can of course thought that he could pre-draft and i i think it's interesting i think it's too early to discuss paulo versus chet in terms of like number one yeah. because i feel like I feel like both teams like their guy and like both teams genuinely feel like they got the perfect guy for their scenario. You are, you're a magic guy. You, you know that better than I do. What, what, what do you think is the, is the vibe around seeing Chet do this with what Paulo did last year? Yeah. I, I don't think Orlando regrets it. It's like both teams are happy, right? I, I think the magic always wanted Paolo and while the magic do need a big, I think Paolo is just kind of, they've, the biggest thing they missed is that alpha right that first option and now they have two guys with Franz and Paolo and not to make this about the magic but you know I just don't think that they regret anything having two really unique forwards it creates more versatility for them um, obviously I think they still would have loved to have a way of, obviously you have both if it was possible but I think both teams are happy you know and, and speaking of both teams being happy it's a perfect segue into Cason Wallace who was traded from your Mavericks to the Thunder I think that this is a trade where both teams walk away extremely happy with what they've got to this point from Derek Levy for Dallas, for Cason Wallace from Oklahoma City. Whenever you were evaluating Cason Wallace and then you see him as a rookie, his first 13 games look this good. Is that surprising at all? Did you know he could do this? Like, What, what was your thoughts pre-draft and, and have they changed at all in this short amount of time? Yeah, I loved Cason. He, he's from DFW, so I'm I'm a big fan. Like He's nearby high school from uh, from where I live, so I've gotten to see him. I, I think with him, the shooting has been outstanding. And on top of that, he's been very careful with the ball. We always see Kentucky guards get hidden. One thing I thought would happen that hasn't happened as much this year uh, is the pick and roll ability, right? He had no stretch big at Kentucky. His his furthest, like he, he didn't even have, really have shooters. So the whole system is vastly different. I thought that was something that would hide him at Kentucky versus in the NBA. I'm shocked to, if my math was correct. He's only had three or four pick and roll assists this year, the entire season. So that's nuts to me and I think that's still an area where he can grow but he's been so careful with the ball smart he's shooting off the dribble it's a little bit low sample size but the spot up shooting has been fantastic like the jump shooting has just been all there and I think one thing that I remember seeing was at the combine like he he still uses his thumb a little bit on the left on the guide hand like the thumb goes inwards and it flicks a little bit so like that's still something he can improve and he's already shooting this well things are looking really good yeah, his offense has been awesome. It's been so efficient. And the shot quality that he's getting up has been awesome, too. He kind of knows his spots and knows when to when he needs to be more aggressive offensively versus when he needs to kind of take a little bit of a, of a more complimentary role. Uh, and, I, and I think that that versatility plays into how the Thunder want to play basketball, being able to be on the ball, off the ball. I think that we're going to see him get more 
on-ball creation opportunities as the season progresses, especially just like the nature of the NBA. Like this is an 82-game season. And the Thunder to this point, I've had pretty good injury luck. Uh, and, and eventually you're going to miss a couple guys for a game here or there. Like whenever they miss Shea against Golden State in the first ever in-season tournament game, Kaysen stepped in in a huge way for that team and it went down to the wire. And of course there was that controversial call. But uh, Kaysen I think has just been excellent. I think that Kaysen Wallace will be an all-defensive team member in his career, I think he'll be like an all-defensive player in his career. Of, of course, not like as a rookie, probably, but in general, is that a crazy? Uh, is that a crazy take? You said all NBA or all rookie? All, all defensive. All de- all like defense. My bad. In his career. In his career. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That was the big. That was the big selling point for me, where like he had an elite tool to hang his hat on. Active hands. I think so. And I also think it'll be all rookie, though. We can we can circle back to uh, that one. Yeah, yeah, I think so it, too. Is all rookie a lock for you? I don't know about Locke. I think it's still too early, but I think if he plays enough games, yeah, he's on there. Yeah, it's been awesome to see him kind of kind of get that trust from this team. I mean, he's been their, their primary bench guy. Him and Isaiah Joe has been their primary bench guy from the start. And like he's been trusted to defend Clay and Steph and Trey Young. And we can go on the list of all these like, these great scores that he's been trusted to score uh, to uh to defend on. I, I think that that level of trust from this defensive-minded coaching staff just goes a long way to show where he's already at and where he can get to with a really good developmental system. You know better than anybody that like the Thunder can really develop defense. And so if this is the baseline for Cason Wallace, it has to make you feel really good about what the future can be for Cason Wallace on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard if you're an NBA fan like watching Cason Wallace, like how do you not just be enamored with like a Drew Holiday upside, right? So let's flip it to the one negative aspect of this Thunder team so far. And that's that Josh Giddy has started out very slow. Now you watch the NBA, you watch every single team, you follow every single team, you follow the Thunder closely. What's been your takeaway of Josh Giddy through these first handful of games? Yeah, I think he's kind of lost in the shuffle at times. Um, I, I think it, it, with Case and Wallace, it has thrown a little bit of a wrench and not in his development, just like his, what does he do like in his own head? You know, like I think maybe that's played a role, but the three point shot, it just, it's one of those things he's got to be better at that. And obviously it's still early. He hasn't even taken 33s, but I do think that is something where he has to get better at. And ultimately though, like it's still not that bad. Like it's, you want more, but one thing like, for example, that stands out with the thunder, like this is so impressive to me. They have no players that play like that are part of the rotation, right? That have a negative assist to turnover ratio. Every single player has an uh, more assists than turnovers. Uh, that has like at least ten. You could throw in assists, and to me, that's nuts. And I think that's something where like Giddy's impact, like he's so careful in making and running the offense, orchestrating the right next plays. I do think his fingerprints go more than just like his stats can show. So I think the stats have been underwhelming, but like it hasn't been awful, if that makes sense. No, yeah, you're 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 spot on. So I, I like to again get kind of uh, the uh, the uh, neutral uh, look at this team, of course, and we're going to do that looking at the full body of work. How good can this Thunder team be this young? Does the age truly matter as much as we think it does? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, what's here right now? We're good friends over at FanDuel, Richard. I love going to FanDuel right now, FanDuel.com slash lockdown, because everything's in action. And when you do, you get $150 in bonus bets for winning a $5 money line bet when you go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. And right now, you can make that money line bet. And a money line bet is just who you think will win. So you don't have to worry about anything else, just like pick the winner. And right now, 
you have college basketball, you have the NBA, you have the NFL, you have college football heating up, of course, we're in the last week of their regular season, bowl season, title season, all that good stuff. So there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to dive into. You can go, and, and if you're only an NBA fan, guess what? You can bet on the NBA tonight. The Celtics play the Hornets. I know it's the second night of back-to-back, but the Hornets are awful. Maybe that money line bet that you want to take a chance on is the Celtics and, and go there uh, with Boston. So check it out today, Fender.com slash locked on. That's Fender.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Richard, how good can this team be this season? For me, I've been looking at uh, you know the age factor and everything else. For you, what, what do you think this Thunder's ceiling is? I mean, right now, they have the fourth best record in the league. Obviously, I don't think that's necessarily like, – they're not going to finish better than Denver, for example. Like that's – like let's – contain expectations but the way i've told people about them is like you know how when there's a team that's rising right like they go in in paths right take orlando for example they take a first jump where they go from terrible to hey we won some games and they go to the 30s then you go from the 30s to like the play in then you take that jump you go from the play into like you got to take us seriously that's the ideal way for teams to make the jump right so i think oklahoma city's in that jump where they're taking every 80 all 82 games completely seriously because they're in that first year of hey we're really gunning for the playoffs like we're not going for the play and we want to miss that we want to be a top six seed and i think that because of that they're going to take every game seriously and that's going to get them top five like if if everything goes right of course but at this point they've there's really no no signs of slowing down right like they just swept golden state I thought they were in a position for a schedule loss in Portland. And they, I mean, granted it was Portland who's a bottom feeder, but they blew them out. Like that stuff is the product of taking every game seriously. And I think ultimately because of that, they're going to go a lot further than they really were projected to because they're taking every game seriously. And on top of that, they're in position to make trades down the road because they have multiple picks that they just can't afford to keep at this point. Yeah, I think that with this Thunder team, they're going to be able to have such success because they're going to take every game seriously, which is a big reason why preseason why I had them top six in the West, just because you know I can't count on a lot of other teams to take this seriously and to try to win every single game. Uh, and so when you look at the center team, I think that they're good enough, to, like you said, to be top six. And I think that they can be good enough to be maybe possibly a home court advantage team if all breaks right. And of course, this is like barring anything dramatic injury-wise, but if they have relative health, then they're going to be able to do this. And so uh, for me, when you get to the playoffs, though, I've always been hesitant of what this team could do postseason-wise. I think that, like, even if they're just the Kings of last year, where you fall to a to an underrated team like Golden State, in the sense of like the Golden State last year was better than a sixth seed, but the, but they just their season was just derailed for parts of the year, and their record did not reflect how good that they were. Of course, they have Hall of Famers and uh, that that dynastic approach that they have. So, like, if you're into a team like that and you and you go to seven games and you barely lose. That's still a really impressive mark for this team because I think that you personally have to kind of go through the fire. Like this is a head coach. This is a coaching staff that has not been there uh, in the postseason and, and, and in, uh, you know, series like this. And, and you're changing your mindset of internal development, internal focus to external scouting. I think this is a really good coaching staff. I think that like this coaching staff will figure it out sooner than later and really quick. But you have to see the pictures first and you have to kind of see what it's all about in the postseason. This is going to be Shea's first playoffs as the guy. And of course, everyone else from there, I mean, Lou Dort is going to play a similar role to his playoff appearance. But other than that, you have all just new, 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 new in the playoffs. So I think that like the the 
ceiling for what this team can do once the postseason begins uh, very much changes from where it is right now to April. How do you feel and how do you evaluate the postseason when it comes to like such a young team like this? Yeah, it's I think the Sacramento comp is kind of is pretty fair. The difference is, though, is that interior defense like it, it's so different. I think that's going to favor Oklahoma City a lot. I don't know. I really the young teams are always hard to project because you get sometimes like for me, it's a stepping stone, right? I always think of I think it was the 2013 14 Warriors, right? Where I think it was Steph's first playoff series win and they they beat Denver. I forget who they played next, but, um, you know, it was like, hey, you got to take us seriously. And then next year they won the title. So I'm not saying Oklahoma City's going to do that, but like that's the kind of stuff you got to do is you got to get there. Maybe it takes a year or two, but you got to win a series and then you got the whole league's attention. And after that, I, I really think as it's still a young core, right? Like most of the players are on their first or second contract, if not every player actually is on their first or second true contract. And to me, that says a lot about just how far ahead of the timeline they are. Ultimately this year, probably not going to win the title just because of how difficult that is to go from play into championship. But it's not at all unrealistic to say, Hey, this team, and, and really actually I'll stop myself there. The West is so wide open at the moment. Obviously, trade deadline will shape it. Anybody can make the Western Conference Finals right now. Like, I think that's every team's ceiling right now, realistically, outside of, like, Denver. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, when you look at this Thunder team, historically, and just, like, your own gut of, like, watching basketball for so long tells you, yeah, you know, it, it's a great story. It's going to be a great regular season. But, like, playoffs time, give them give them the opportunity. Don't, don't put too much on them of what they should be doing. But – you get to the playoffs though, and it's hard to find a matchup where, you know, presumably that nothing crazy happens in the standings, but like, you know, and like Denver doesn't sneak in as like a Miami heat type lower seed, but like assuming that the standings kind of go similar to the way that they should, what matchup will the Thunder not have the best player in, in the series? And then probably the second and third best player, whenever you go tier for tier against that team. So like, it, it's interesting because like, I think that the personnel is there, but I just, I, I, me personally, I too, I think I too much, uh, uh, weigh in on like how much experience does matter. Yeah. I'm the same boat. Let's go down here. Let's, let's go down the, the playoffs, right? We'll do the top 10 currently. Uh, so Minnesota, I think they have the best player. I think Shea's better than, right. than Edwards, uh, Sacramento. They have the best player. Right. Dallas, I'd say Luca's better. Uh, obviously yeah. I might have a bias, but I, th I think it's, yeah, but, but that's another example of like Luca is better <laughs> and Kyrie is better. I think than than and like, then Shea, that's second. Equal to Kyrie for me. No, 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 no. Luca is better than Shea. Shea's better oh, than Kyrie, but Kyrie is better than the second option I get what in you're OKC. Saying. That's your saying. Now, third, fourth, fifth, sixth option. I think that the Thunder might that's have awesome. it there. Where like so like it's interesting to see how like how close yeah. are Luca and Shea? How close are Kyrie and Chet? I know it's not right. apples to apples because it's like a it's a positional thing, but still, yeah. how close is the production you get from those two guys? And then yep. circle it down. And yep. then who has the, who has the coaching edge between Kid and Mark? Kid, Kid is Kid is Kid's gotten the Mavericks to the Western Conference Finals, but I think Mark's a I think Mark's a better coach, frankly. But Kid's already done it though; he's already been in playoff settings, he's already been to the Western Conference Finals. So it's gonna that would be a very very interesting and fun series, and we'd be at every single game running up and down the highway. So it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, and then you got Denver, um, Phoenix, Golden State. I think right there's a chance that Oklahoma city doesn't have the best player in, but mm -hmm. I mean, the other teams, new Orleans, I think Zion's incredible. So I, I think it's pretty close, but I'd probably still give it to Shea. Um, outside of those, like, what is that? Five teams, I think Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, four teams. Yeah. Like and, and, very and close. Oh, well, the, uh, yeah. Even the Clippers, I would say. Prob uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Clippers. Yeah, Clippers. I, I would, I would, I would give it to Shea just because of the dependability factor. But yeah, if you want to give it to Kawhi, who's a champion, and you want to give it to Paul George, okay, that's fine. But like Kawhi mainly. Uh, but still, the even whenever you rattle off the, those teams, and, the Thunder, I think have the better complementary pieces than them. Can I ask a question though? What what is how do you want to face Phoenix in the playoffs? Like just because of like the upside of like you beat Kevin Durant in the playoffs, or is that something where you're like? There's no chance they could beat him. Like, what's the outlook on that? Like, is that a goal? Like, actually? So, like, the Thunder have not won a playoff series, period, since Kevin Durant left. So, like, that would be a wild storybook to kind of do it full circle. And, like, your first playoff win since Kevin Durant left was against Phoenix, who, of course, went all in to try to win a championship this year, and you kind of ended that. That'd be really cool. I think that the series in general would be interesting because – you have Kaysen and Lou Dort and Shea, who's a really good defender, to match up with this, the Phoenix scores. And then if you if you can kind of limit them the best you can, now limiting Kevin Durant is like 35 points, and limiting that Beal and Booker on them is still a lot of points. But if you can limit them the best you can, can your complementary weapons offensively outperform their weapons offensively? I think that you also have a very distinct Chet mismatch there uh, with like – who who on Phoenix can guard Shet on the perimeter at the big position? And so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see like how the Thunder could fill it up offensively against Phoenix specifically. But yeah, that would be a great storyline. That, that would be like peak NBA. They would the NBA would love to have that storyline because the, the crowd in Oklahoma City is getting better and better each yeah. passing game. And then you're kind of a rival back to your first playoff appearance in the sense of like playoff series because they made the play in last year. But and they didn't get a home game last year in the play. And so like your first like postseason game in Oklahoma city, since the rest Paul George trade would be against Kevin Durant. Like that, that, that place would be going bonkers for this young team who, who fans are already like all in on this young core and they've compared it to the past core and some fans like this core more. And so like, it would just be crazy, but yeah, that, that'd be a great storyline to be able to, to top Kevin Durant in that scenario. Now, what would you say for Oklahoma City? Like, what would be the team? Is, is there a team that realistically could make the playoffs that you would say, independent of your age, you have to beat this team in a playoff series? Mm, man. Because uh... to me, the answer is no. That could realistically make it. There's no team that's like, you have to beat that team. I don't care how old you are. Yeah. I don't care about your inexperience. To me, you, you're going to be matched up with teams that, like, if you did lose, as long as you went down in, like, six or seven games, like, fought hard, of course, as long as you did that, that's a pretty successful season still, even if it's a first-round exit. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i with you. The only one that was coming to mind was, like, I think it'd be – I just don't think it's too early to have must-wins. Like, in theory, there's, like, yeah. one team, which I, I think I'd want to see them beat Minnesota. Like, really separate yourself. That's it. Yeah, and, and, and like, of course, the, the, these teams are going to change. Look what happened to the Clippers last year. Like, the Clippers had Paul George go down, like, two games before the playoffs. And so, like, then that became a, a – if you were going to match up with the Clippers and they had no Kawhi, no Paul George, then, yeah, yes, that becomes – yeah, you're right. That becomes a must-win game, right, or a must-win series. But uh, – so, like, as of this moment with everyone healthy, I, I don't think that there's necessarily one. Uh, I would be very interested, though, to see how they match up with the Pelicans in a series and trying to make the adjustments game to game. Uh, just just for like a fun basketball matchup uh, because, of course, you beat them in the play in last year, but they, they didn't have Zion. Uh, and so Zion, of course, has a brand new element to this. But ultimately, I think that a good season would be getting to the first round and 
getting there like without the play-in, preferably, and going six or seven games at least. And a great season would be winning a playoff series. Is that a fair like a kind of step for OKC this year? Yeah, I think so. And so we'll see if they can continue on this cushion. And and for me, I really believe they can because you you've added such a good cushion. You've taken care of business to this point. And now you get the Bulls Wednesday. You should take care of that game. Then your schedule toughens up a lot. And but you've built up the currency of going on the road, taking care of all three games just now, uh, and of course the previous games that you won as well. But coming up, we're going to talk about feast week in the NBA draft because the Thunder are still heavily involved in the NBA draft as they will be from now. Well, really until the end of the universe. But first, what's here right now? Better good friends over at Price Picks, folks. Price Picks is there for you right now. You can go there and make a entry. It's the best way to play daily fantasy sports because it's available in Oklahoma, number one. But number two, because you can do cross-sport entries. You can do combos of like how many points will Shea and Zach Levine score Wednesday. You can do those kind of combos. You can do tonight. You can have Tatum more than, you know, 25 and a half points and Pat Mahomes more than 200 passing yards. And you can combine those two things. Now, remember, the Celtics are on the second night of back-to-back. And you might be saying, well, how can I go make that entry for Jason Tatum if I'm not sure if he's going to play? Because the injury reports on the second night of back-to-backs, they don't come out in time. Guess what? Price Picks has a reboot policy. So if he doesn't play, then it's no harm, no foul, and you're perfectly fine. So you can do that for basketball season, for college football, NFL, college basketball, NBA. It's all there for you at Price Picks. Check it out today at pricepicks.com and make sure that you use the code LOCKEDONNBA or simply go to pricepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNBA for an instant deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Richard, where would you rank this draft class? Having seen a little bit of of this uh, draft class, where would you rank them? It's not good at the top. It's just uh, – <laughs> I'm trying to word this right. It's one of the weaker drafts at the top, I think, really in the last, probably since 2013. It's probably the weakest. There's no number one. Like, there's somebody has to go one. It's not not a number one. And, like, for me, number one is Ron Holland. But, like, like you said, that's not not a traditional number one for how good the draft has been recently. Yeah, it's, it's fine in depth. I think just a principle going forward is, after 20, the depth's going to be good because basketball is so good right now. Uh, right. And it's honestly a little bit oversaturated. You're going to always be able to find steals in that range. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I really I, – I love the depth. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of guys I love. But, like, where Oklahoma City's picking is outstanding. Where they were picking two years ago, not it. So with that being said, we, we do this every year, and we're going to continue to do this every single year. You know, there, whenever we've had you on during the 21 draft class, that's how long we've been doing this, of like, yeah, no one in the world's giving up Cade. Like, you can trade them a billion first-round picks. No one's giving up Cade. With that being said about this draft class, is there a slot where you don't think the Thunder can get to? Because, like, they're going to have picks in pretty much every range because they own, uh, you know, the Houston's pick as long as it's not uh, not in the top four. They own the Clippers' unprotected pick, and they own uh, the, the Jazz pick as long as it's not top ten. And, of course, uh, their own pick, now the least – the worst of those picks will go to uh, will go to Indianapolis, of course. So uh, that that factors in here too. But like in general, they'll have a pick in 
each range and of course all of their future picks. So like, is there a slot where you don't believe they can get to in this draft or is it so wide open that they can just get whoever they want? Really? They can trade for number one. I mean, they like just for those who don't know, they have three first round picks this year. They are owed three first round picks next year. Um, they are owed how many in they won in 2026, which is still a lot though. They have two incoming in 2027 and every year they have multiple second round picks. And then they have a one in 2029 coming in on top of their own. So they have two picks like they they have multiple at least second round picks. They could literally throw the like if there's somebody they see as the best player. They could throw everything. Now, that's on paper. I don't know if a team, say Washington, gets number one. I don't know if they're punting, taking number one. But if you get a team, some random team like I don't know, say Memphis, right? Memphis is in a position. They're by the only one where they're bad right now because every single player is hurt or, or their best player is suspended. So they could do it. They could be like, you know what? We could take on all this draft capital and really improve our team. Now, I don't think Oklahoma City would do it given that they're in the West. Right. But in theory, they could do that with a team that suddenly just drops the ball and is bad that doesn't need to be, you know, like that, that is accidentally bad. They could get anywhere in the draft. Like they just have too many assets. It's unrealistic to say they do it for this draft, but I really do think there's no limit. So – Whenever we talk about like the draft as a whole, I have Ron Holland number one. When we talk about the Thunder, Alex Saar moves really up that list. Am I wh- where do you fall on like Alex Saar in general, but also where do you fall on like how he could potentially fit on this Thunder team? Yeah, I think he'd be really good. I think he, I, I think he's not the bruiser that you need next to him. I think that's somebody you get in the second round, like Zach Eady, right? Zach Eady absorbs all the hits that Chet is taking currently. I think that goes a long way. So for me, I think Alex Saar, though. You got a defensive beast, super athletic, and he uses it so well on the defensive end. And then you get somebody who has a growing ability to put the ball on the floor, pass, shoot. And again, just like lights out defense, 7-1, super athletic, versatile. I think he'd be a really good fit. He he also is strong, but he still needs to get stronger where he could take some of those bumps and really let Chet ease up on defense and let him play his best role, which is help side block shots. So whenever you look at this Thunder team, of course, they have some some needs in it. They have, of course, the best young core in the NBA. Now, this week is a very pivotal week in draft coverage and draft kind of analysis, whatever, because it's like the college basketball is now started. It's been a couple weeks in, and now you're actually getting some good matchups. Everybody's off of work, off of school, whatever, locked into feast week. And so you have all these tournaments, and you have all these potential matchups, like the Maui tournament is going to prevent present like a billion great matchups. What should people pay attention to this week on Feast Week that could really influence or impact uh, the NBA draft? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any one matchup that has gotten me like, oh, I've really got to see this. Um, I think for me, it's there's a lot of different games where it's the talent level is strong. And every single year we see somebody go off. Anthony Black had a crazy game last year. Uh, Anthony Edwards in uh, the year before in 2019 – or sorry, not the year before. Jeez, the year before the pandemic, uh, the last one – uh, for a little bit there, he had a monster game. It's a, this is the tournament that usually brings somebody into the top 10 that wasn't there before or top five that wasn't there before. Honestly, top one. Like This is where somebody can really separate themselves as a college prospect. Again, there's no like one specific player who I see doing that just because I don't – personally, I'm not huge on the, on the Maui Invitational talent this year. I think it's a lot of more second-round guys than really any first-rounders. But there are guys that are going to take a jump. Like, for example, Dalton Connect. He's somebody that on draft boards right now, or draft Twitter, excuse me, he's somebody who's rising, transferred from northern Colorado and has had a great start at Tennessee. 
if he explodes here, that's going to do a ton for his stock, and he could be looking at a first-round draft pick. Yeah, I love Dalton Connect, and I think that he can do a big thing for himself and and play well in Maui uh, and, and take on a few guys. Now, there's also some, some other players who, uh, you know, like positionally, like, you know, I don't know how well uh, Isaiah Collier fits in Oklahoma City, but like, how good is he, and, and could he could he find a role here in OKC if you get that high in the draft? Yeah, I like him. I think he's smooth. Uh, the problems with him, though, is he's not that athletic, and I don't buy the jump shot being that good right away. I don't know if I'd like him in Oklahoma City. Like, I think if you're going to draft a guard, you got to be able to shoot. you got to be able to play off ball and on ball. We've talked to Alex Saar. What's your thoughts on Cody Williams, the other brother on the Thunder roster? You know, it's funny. He – in the USA, uh, I want to say it was the U18, 19, I forget which one it was, right? It was whichever FIBA tournament they ran, the youth tournament that he was on. He looked terrible. Like, he only scored in transition, and it was usually leak outs. It wasn't anything contested. And when he had to do anything in the half court, he really struggled. But he's gotten better since then in Colorado. I mean, the long strides are just unbelievable. Uh, watch him take two dribbles from half court to get to the rim. Like, it's not that ridiculous for him. He's long. He's athletic. Jump shot probably will need to be consistent. I think it's started out pretty well, but he's not going to keep that up. It's really just putting it all together every single night against good competition. The Pac-12 is going to be a lot better this year than it was last year, and I think he's he's going to see a lot of tests. Between Saar and Filipowski and Ware and a lot of these big men, obviously it gets a certain portion of the Thunder fan base excited. Where do you fall on this? this is the last one I'm going to hit you with. Last question. Where do you fall on Chet, big men? Should they play a big with Chet? Should they have a big on the bench just as another option for a different matchup? How how much should they focus on adding a big? Just that entire conversation around should there be a big next to Chet? Yeah, I'm I'm a supporter. My my one I'm curious what you think are the needs for Oklahoma City before I directly answer that though. Like what what are your big needs for Oklahoma City? Because I have one that's glaring and addresses the question, but curious what you have real fast yeah i would say the biggest need would be like and it's and it's one of the hardest things to find i think because just like a mix of like a big four who can rebound but also who can shoot really really well yep. that's that's a that's a very specific and hard blend to find so uh, but like, i think that yes <laughs> pretty much that would be like that would be like what you're looking at for me so that's pretty much what I had on mine. I said bruising big to help Chet absorb physical post play. And because of that, I think, yeah, there are there are players who do that. Like I think Zach Eady, somebody you could get in the second round, super hidden shooting upside. Like the the thing with him is he's seven three, seven four, seven seven wingspan. Um moves pretty well. He he tested really well at the combine. Jump shot actually looks pretty smooth, but he why would he ever shoot a jump shot in Purdue when he's the biggest player in college basketball? And absolutely dominant. So I think there's an element of hidden, uh, just hidden ability there. And I, I know his agency has connections to the Thunder. Keontae Johnson has the same agent. So I do think things like that matter. He's probably your best bet. But the thing is, we don't know what Zach Eady's going to look like against NBA switches. Like, you know, when he's matched up against, say, Anthony Edwards one-on-one. Does it make him unplayable? We don't know. But he does everything else. I do think the shooting, at least to the free throw line, enough to say, hey, if you step out of the paint, we still have to kind of respect you. That, I think, is big. Alex Saar is probably the best bet, though, if you're going to try and get every single one of those things. Yeah, Alex Saar is, like, who I would love the Thunder to pay with chat. And uh, it would be interesting to see how they manage the rotation at that point and what, what kind of subsequent moves are made if you do land Alex Saar. But if I was the Thunder, 
you know, I understand not wanting to go for, uh, you know, a, a, a NBA player who's currently in the NBA. But like, I would give up a lot of assets for Alex Carr. I, I think that he's that good and that he would fit the Thunder mold so well. So, like, I'm, I'm not a huge ED guy. Second round, I don't really care, like, who you draft in the second round necessarily because ED, like, at least has potential of, like, if you give him some time with the blue and you let him figure out the pace of the NBA and the speed of, like, these athletes – I think you'd figure it out to an extent or at least be like a, at least be like a Boban type of player where like, and a, and a better, better than Boban, of course, but like a Boban type of player where like you, you don't use him a ton, but you use him in certain matchups. Like remember whenever Carlisle went to Boban in the playoffs and, yeah. it, and it worked against yeah. the Clippers for like a little, for a little yeah. curveball in there. Like he would be like a little curveball player for me as Zach Eady, not necessarily a player who like you factor into the rotation as a whole, but if they, whatever they did to get Alex Sar, I'd give it an A plus plus. No matter what they gave yeah. up, no matter what they did, within the realm of realism, of course, I give it an A plus plus of like getting Sar. And actually, one other name too. I, I know we're short on time, but Donovan Klingon at, at Connecticut. He's somebody else who fits that physical profile a lot. So if you can't get Sar, Klingon's probably going to go near the top ten, give anywhere from I think seven to twelve. I think he's somebody you could target too. And seven to 12 is much, obviously like this goes without saying like number one's easier, really hard to trade for. But if you get in that seven or 12, you could probably just use this year, next year's stuff and just be done. That, that's perfectly right. And you go, you can watch the Boilermakers. You need to watch the, uh, the uh, Connecticut, uh, the Connecticut Huskies, Hus, uh, Huskies, I believe is what they are. Yep. Of course uh, you, you can watch Indiana to watch where, if you want to, if you're a big where guy uh, and then Duke has Philip Paskey, uh, Kentucky has Aaron Bradshaw. I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm interested to see kind of how he, how he grows and develops, but like feast week's going to be fun. We'll have you back of course, all throughout the draft cycle. Cause the draft still is heavily important in Oklahoma city, but Richard, thank you so much for your time and kind of what you think about the thunder. Let them know what you're cooking up, where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, doing scouting reports, uh, film breakdowns, things like that. Big boards will be dropping, you know, out probably in a couple of weeks here, my first one in the regular season, uh, but also doing NBA coverage every single night, uh, college basketball, high school, covering basketball at all levels. It's a lot of fun. Go find them at Mavs Drops on Twitter. Find us anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube every single day. It's a Locked on Thunder podcast. Until next time, be good and be good to 1-0.